Hey guys, it's Brian here. Today we're speaking about a topic that is truly very prevalent in our society, domestic violence. Most people hide behind the guilt or shame that is associated with it, but we thank God for our old friend to the show, Erin. Erin sits down with Ken and I and tells us her truth and how she managed to find her rainbow after the storm. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hey, girl. Hey. Hey, girl. Hey. How you doing, Brand? I'm doing well, Ken. How about you? I am doing great on this wonderful morning. Okay. It's early. It's not that early. I mean, it is for me. <laughs> okay. Fine. That's <laughs> fine. But although it's early, it's still a great day. It is a great day. All right. So I'm super excited because we have a, I guess, like sort of an old friend to the show. Yeah. Joining yeah. us today. For a different story. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like a year ago, a year and some months ago that we met her. Yeah. All right. So, guys, today we have with us Erin, and you may remember her from an episode we did long ago, actually, at one of her events. Yeah. Um, Where we talked with, oh, actually, uh, it was her and Hope and some other ladies, and we had a really cool discussion there just about purpose yes. and things like that. But today, we're here to talk about something different. So that was our first time actually meeting Erin at that event. Yeah. Um, but at the time, you know, we had no idea really of her personal life. Absolutely. Okay. And now here <laughs> we are a year later, um, and Erin blogs and does all that. And then we read to find out that she had experienced some domestic abuse. Yes. And I was like, wow, like we have to talk to her. Um <laughs> Absolutely. I remember um, we were going through our planning stages yeah, yeah. Uh, earlier this year. That was something that you put on the list that you wanted to talk about. And you was like, oh, we're going to find somebody. Um, I was like, you sure? You know, that's kind of heavy. He was mm -hmm. like, yeah, I'm sure. And after meeting with Tarkeisha and yeah. I, well, when I first read it, um, in Tarkeisha's book, Little mm -hmm. Girl Rise, Aaron wrote, a snippet or told her story in Tarkeisha's book and I'm just like on the edge of the couch like oh my gosh oh, right Kendallin, yeah. did you know and go, I didn't know <laughs> go yeah. to page like oh my goodness and I was like what no okay so anyway guys she's here with us <laughs> yes. hi Erin hi Erin Hey, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we complain about it being early, but obviously where you are is much earlier. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, two-hour two difference. Right. Yes. So, so we appreciate you, girl, for getting up and, you know, <laughs> being energetic and just being, just right. being obedient to right. talk to us this morning. <laughs> right. So, like we were saying, it's so crazy uh, because when we first met, it was just like, we had no idea. No. And uh, we'll get into this a little later. But just talking about, you know, people assume that, you know, folks who are experiencing abuse or, you know, anything, like, look a certain way, you yeah. know? Mm -hmm. Right. And I was like, I just would have never yeah. guessed. Yes. Like, she seemed so happy and so into what she was doing. Right. And that yeah. may be a part of putting the makeup on, girl, but we, you know what? We're getting ahead of ourselves. Right, so. right, right. She was... She was Purposed in her pajamas and she had it together. Okay, okay. <laughs> I was like, "Yes, feed my soul, Erin." Right, be not knowing that you know she, she has some stuff going on. Yeah, gosh, the things that we do. Yes, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, real quick, let before we get into what we're here to talk about, 
tell the people a little bit about who you are, what you do, because you got like all types of stuff going on, girl. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so at the moment, so we'll get into it, but I'm kind of like taking a pause with some of those things, I'm, but I'm slowly relaunching again. Okay. Um, so I guess I would call myself more of a creative because um, I do so much. Um, so first, I am the founder of Favored Froze. Um, and it's froze, like you say it like F R O S, but it's spelled F R E A U X S. You know, being yeah. in New Orleans, yeah, it's all different. <laughs> down from um, the south. <laughs> so that's a, a faith-based community platform I created that provides spiritual encouragement to women and girls of color. Um, and so through that um, business, I did a lot of um, local events. Um, we did vision board parties. Um, uh, we did like workshops for young girls, things of that nature. And of course, we have a blog. I did have some merchandise as well. Um, so I am relaunching that and getting that back up and running um, next month, actually. And let's see what else. I do have a company called Bubblegum Swag. I created it for my two daughters. Um, and so basically, um, I started off with backpacks that had illustrations of girls of color. And then we kind of went into like t-shirts and duffel bags and um, just uh, watches, water bottles, just stuff to bring to school and just to, you know, for more inclusion at school. Um, and so that I'll, I'll be relaunching as well. It did really well when I first started. I just needed to take a break. Um, but that's Bubblegum Swag and I created it for my girls. Um, and so the images are of them. <laughs> um and then also, I recently launched a personal blog for myself, and it's called I Am Erin Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so on that blog, I just tell my stories. Um, so this will be one of them, actually. I haven't posted it yet, but um, just kind of giving more insight to me. I kind of like hid behind Favorite Froze and Bubblegum Swag for a while. And I found that a lot of people were interested in me because I was always showing my face and talking <laughs> and stuff and telling my story. So I'm like, you know, maybe I'll just create something, you know, specifically for me so that none of the brands get mixed up or anything you know yeah. um so yeah that's that's pretty much it um and yeah I do other things I um I, I love to write so I blog for a couple of different um blogs uh, blog for um my church now so yeah I just love writing and telling stories and painting pictures through words so yeah that's awesome, girl. Yes. You got it going on. All the way on. Yeah. And, you know, you, you talk about all these different business ventures and avenues that you take. And Kendall and I have been talking so much about legacy and just leaving something behind. And you are definitely yeah. setting yourself and your children up in generations to come just to, mm-hmm. you know, be able to still walk in their purpose and then not be afraid to um, shine their lights and just uh, tell their stories. Mm-hmm. So great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So one question that we always ask everybody is, you know, how has God been in your details? That's our thing here. God is in every detail, no matter every. if it's good or bad. All right. You can reflect back and be like, dang, you know, like that was God. Yeah. So yeah. just give us a little bit about how God has been in your details, just overall in your life. Um, I believe he's been in my details just from day one. He's always been present, like no matter what situation. I mean, besides domestic abuse, there was there was always some kind of like trauma I've gone through or just hard times, period. 
or just like the little, you know, mom struggles that I have, but he's always been present and like just reminding me that like I'm here and you're not alone and just guiding my footsteps um, every step of the way, every day of my life. Like he's always just been there um, and just been consistent and faithful even when I wasn't. Um, so that's, he's definitely been in every detail of my life because he created, he created my details. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And so it, I, when you say that, I think it's interesting because it sometimes it takes us so long to really figure out that a lot of times when we think we're walking alone, like, you know what? I really wasn't. Yeah. Um, and what I think was bad was really being used for my good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. So that's good that you can look back over your whole life and be like, I don't feel like he, you know, there were dark years where he wasn't present. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. All right, so, so yeah, let's get to let's it. Get I mean, to the topic I mean, at hand. Yeah, so tell us about you know how this tragic situation uh, took place. Um. Okay. So I guess I'll take it all the way back. Let's see. So I met. This was with my husband. So I met him in high school. Um, he seemed like a really nice guy. Uh, we didn't date or anything, but he would like walk me to class and. All I could stuff, hold my backpack, you know, all the little stuff you do in high school. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Puppy and, right. <laughs> and so, like, we, um, we didn't really, like I said, it wasn't like a relationship or anything. We didn't go on dates. I mean, I was in like 10th grade. So <laughs> I wasn't even allowed to talk to the boy. I still remember he, he would have his sister call my house oh. and then, like, switch phones so he could talk to me, like, little stuff like that. So, like, I, I was just, that was like my first, um, I guess, like, interaction, I guess not interaction, but, like, where somebody really pursued me, mm. um, and so I guess to go back a little bit further, like, I, um, cause I think this is important to say going on with the story, but I didn't have, like, that one male figure in my life to look up to or to receive information from, which I think is so necessary mm-hmm. for women, young girls, um, to help you kind of guide your life and know what decisions to make, um, so my, I moved from California when I was really young and like my family, my mom and my stepdad, we moved like gypsies my whole life. Mm-hmm. And so like, it wasn't by choice that, you know, I didn't get to see my dad. Like he, he didn't know where I was. Yeah. And so, um, like for, it was like maybe 10 years before I even saw him again. So I didn't have my biological father in my life. So that was number one. And then my stepfather, when I was a teenager, um, he ended up molesting me. And so like, there was like a break in trust there. And so, um, I just didn't have that one person, that male figure to look for and say, this is a man to me. Mm. You know, this is what a man should do. This is how he should treat a woman. And even looking at my, my stepfather and my mother's marriage, I didn't get to see very much. They like, there was, there weren't any arguments, which is fine. I didn't argue myself, but like, there wasn't anything to go on, like, say, oh, my gosh, this is the ideal marriage mm. to look for, you know? Mm. So, with those type of things in my background, it was kind of like I was just winging it. Like, oh, this feels good. I'll go with it. So, um, so anyway, um, Hurricane Katrina came, um, and we left, of course, and it was, like, a couple years later, because I met him back in 04, maybe? Mm-hmm. And so a couple years later, we ended up moving back to Louisiana in 2007. And maybe like the first weekend that we 
were living there, we attended a church. And that particular at that particular service, um, there he was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he came in late. And so, like, um, and we would talk about in the beginning of our, our relationship, like, how it, this was, like, God's plan and how we just came back together type of thing. Um, so my, my parents didn't really care for him too much. They didn't know him. Um, even the pastor of the church kind of had some negative things to say about him because he grew up in that church. Mm-hmm. And I still was like, I'm going to give him a chance because I was always, and still am, I was always a person to give grace. I always, I never judged anyone. Yeah. I always wanted to find out for myself. Yeah. Um, so I gave him my number that day at church. And um, I just remember just, you know, the typical, you're up on the phone late for hours, and mm-hmm. I want to see you, and you're so beautiful, all that type of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, ducking off in the corner, you don't want to hear anybody say what you're saying, but um, <laughs> we, um, it was like, it was like light speed, like everything went so fast, and there were a lot of other things going on within my household, to where like I was just ready to leave, and I just wanted to go live with him, and just run off, like that. that's what it was, because he just... And that, at that time, he just treated me so well. Yeah. You know, always complimenting how I looked and lifting me up and telling me, I, you know, you can do it type of stuff. You know, which anybody can do. You can ask Google, you know. Yeah. But, <laughs> Girl, you're so right. <laughs> right. Message, okay. message. You out there lonely and trying to settle? Go, Go. to Google. Siri, right. Siri. Right. Yeah. Hey, Siri. Oh, wait. How don't... do I look today? <laughs> Siri, somebody. Somebody. But, you know, we Alexa. didn't have Siri back then. Right. But, Alexa, uh, anybody. <laughs> I didn't, I overlooked so many things that I didn't have, what I lacked at the time was my self-worth, number one, and I didn't have, like, this ideal of what a man should be to me, and what I need to look for in a, in a man, not, not just a man, but a husband, yeah. and knowing that, which I know now, um, dating, the end result of dating has to lead to marriage, and if it doesn't, like, what are we doing? Yeah. And so, um, I was just like, he treats me well. He talks to me nice. He think I'm cute. Like, that's how I was. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I always came to his defense. Anybody, because he was from there, I wasn't from Louisiana at the time. Um, everybody knew him. I'd run into cousins, uh, friends of his, whomever, and it would be like, oh, you're dating him? Why? Mm. You know he did X, Y, and Z. Or he's this. Or he has anger problems or whatever. Or let me tell you a story about what happened, you know, whatever. Mm. And I'd be like, no, but he's this and he's that. And I would always say, well, you know, for men, they're going to act a certain way around their friends and family and whatever. But when it comes to their woman, like, that's their soft spot. You know, they turn into that teddy bear. And that's how he was with me, you mm-hmm. know. And so I didn't see those things. Or I choose not to, chose not to see them anyway. And so, and it was funny. He, when we met at that time, he wasn't working. He was in between jobs. He didn't have his own vehicle. He wasn't. Um, he didn't have his own um, place to stay, um, and I was doing the same thing. And so that right there is like, okay, what what can you do for a woman if you don't have the basic things, you know? Um, so anyway, later on, we ended up. I won't go into every single detail, but we ended up getting married. Maybe I don't know a year later. Mm-hmm. It wasn't long at all. We dated for a couple months and ended up getting married, and then. Um, and I noticed, like, in the very beginning, there were some things, like, if I disagreed with him or we might have, like, a small argument, like, his anger was something I had never seen before. Mm-hmm. He, he wasn't putting my, his hand on me at that time, but it was just how he reacted to things. Mm-hmm. It was like, 
why are you taking it this far? You know, yeah, um, right. he would maybe throw things in that house. There, he would maybe punch a wall, mm. things of that nature. Um, he cursed a lot, you know. Um, so it was just a lot of like just anger, or he would like hold things. You know, say if you have a problem with somebody, and instead of telling them right there, you're holding it, so you have ten problems with that person. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, so he would just, like, all of a sudden just blow up with all these things that I, I'm doing wrong. Everything kind of seemed like it was always reflected on me, what I'm doing wrong. And so I would, you know, just kind of, and because I didn't grow up in a family where we argued, or really, we didn't talk mm-hmm. um, a, lot, a lot about things, I just kind of, like, was shut down yeah. in those moments and just sit there. And so over the years, I just learned to, like, shut down and be quiet, let him get it all out, let him say what he had to say, and then he would leave the house. And so that was, like, my thing. I just wouldn't say anything and just shut down. So, um, yeah, so, like, a while, and there was even a time, I think the very first time, this was right before we got married, um, I didn't have my license yet. I got married at 19. I didn't have my license yet, and I, we drove to... He played like the semi-pro football and we drove to a practice mm-hmm. and he was like, you know, do you want to take the car to go, I don't know, buy some shoes or something? I was like, no, I'm good. And, um, I ended up taking it anyway while he was in practice and I didn't even get, make out the parking lot before I hit someone else's car. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I broke like the, um, the headlight or something and scratched their bumper. It was a really tiny scratch. It was an older couple. Mm-hmm. I immediately started crying mm-hmm. like a little girl. And it wasn't because of the accident. I, it was in fear of, like, what he would say or do. Oh, wow. And, um, and the couple was just, like, so sweet. They're like, it's not a big deal. You know, it's really your car that needs help. It's just a tiny scratch on our bumper. Don't worry about it. And I just remember, like, so many people surrounded, like, the car. Like, just you know, on looking. And they went and grabbed him. And he immediately just started cursing. What did you do? And, you know, just going off. And that made me, like, even more upset, you know. Yeah. And so I remember us getting in the car and driving off and just the whole time in the car, him just, like, yelling and fussing and just, like, going off. And I'm just sitting there in the passenger seat like a little girl, like, just feeling so small, mm. you know. And he just kept, like, he started, like, hitting the steering wheel, like, really, really hard and just cursing and just yelling and yelling. And, like, that was my first experience. And then, like, so it was, it was, it's funny now thinking about it, but, like, in response to that, I was like, well, if he hits me, what am I going to do? So I'm going to hit him first. So oh, I went man. and hit him in the face, in his eye. Oh, <laughs> and he had contacts, and one of his contacts fell out. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what? You Come hit on. him, right? <laughs> and it was the right like, hook. Okay. <laughs> it came out of nowhere. It was like this, this fear, like, okay. And so I remember like him just sitting, like it was a green light and he put the car in park and just looked at me and I was so scared. Like, okay, now he's about to hit me back. Like, what you going to do now, Aaron? And, um, so he did and He just looked at me like, I can't believe you did that. And then pulled over into, um, a parking lot nearby and just went at it again, just yelling and fussing. Somebody ended up calling the police. The police came, of course, thinking it was him. And he was like, no, it was her. <laughs> and like, you know, do you want to press charges? He says, no, whatever. And so, like, that was just my first real experience of, like, seeing how angry he could get off of something I did. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just funny how that first instance was me hitting him. But yeah, it was yeah. just, like, out of fear. Like, okay, I, you know, that's just how I thought. If I could hit him first, then I, I might have to be better off. But then it's like, okay, now what happens next? <laughs> um, so, you know, I 
know, fast forwarding, like I said, we, we got married. Um, a year later, I was maybe like 20, 21. I had um, our daughter, our first child. Um, and like things were just really rough um, as far as like finances go and just all of that stuff. And like the arguments were always surrounded about, around money and spending time with each other and things like that. And just It just got worse and worse and worse, you know, our arguments. And I think, like, the most prominent time, though, was when I got pregnant with my second daughter, um, which was in 2012, I believe. Yeah. Um, That was when, like, everything just kind of got worse. Um, There were so many holes in the wall. I remember our door was broken to our bedroom. Like, it was just bad. I would always, like, hide. Mm. I remember just going in the bathroom to hide or closing the door and locking it to hide. And he would just bust the door down or... um, or instead of, because he would try his best not to hit me, so he would hit something in the house or throw something or break something in the house and then leave later. Um, and it was all, it always happened around our kids. That was another thing, too. My oldest saw a lot. Um, but a time in particular, so I, um, I found out that he was, um, you know, sleeping with someone else at the time. And I was, I was pregnant, big pregnant. And... I just would, like, always bring stuff to him, like the phone records or something I found or a letter or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like that would anger him. Like, you know, how dare you? Why are you going through my things type of stuff? And I saw there was a night in particular. Um, I had just gave, given birth to my second daughter and had him with me two weeks later. And we were kind of, like, separated at that time. Like, I told him to leave. And... Um, he came to see her and he stayed for like a couple days or something. And so I found something new about the same woman and I brought it up and we were, I just finished cooking. I remember I was washing dishes and, um, and I think, yeah, my youngest was asleep and my, the oldest, she had to be like three at the time. She was in there watching TV. Like, you know, we're just a family. And I brought it up. I was really angry. Like I couldn't even hold it in. And so, like, it made him upset, and he lied about it or whatever. And so I I remember, like, throwing, like, a plastic bowl I was washing. And immediately he got up, put his plate down that he was eating, got up and came around to the kitchen and started choking me. And, like, I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Like, this this is, this is crazy. And there were times before I was, when I was pregnant, I remember him pushing me mm-hmm. um, and things like that. But it just wasn't, it would be something light. Like, he always did just enough to where, okay, there's no bruise. She can't say that I hit her. Mm-hmm. You know, he would do things or, like, hold me in a corner, like, certain things like that. So where I felt, like, threatened and I felt like, okay, I'm not going to do this again. I think it was more to check me. Yeah. And so this yeah. time was was definitely different. Um, he, he had me in a chokehold. Not a chokehold, I'm sorry. But he was, like, strangling me with one, one hand in the kitchen. And then he had me kind of up against the counter. Wow. And then he ended up having me on the kitchen floor with that one hand still. And another hand holding my um, my, my arm down. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't breathe. And I was just crying and screaming and asking him to let me go. And I don't even remember what he was saying. But it was just kind of, like, just checking me, like, how dare you talk to me like that? Mm-hmm. You know? Like, who do you think you are? And I remember looking up and seeing my oldest daughter look like over me, screaming and crying. Like the t- she kept saying, "Daddy, stop! Daddy, stop!" And like I said, I was two weeks postpartum, and I'm like on the floor, like wondering if this is my last day, you know. Mm-hmm. And just gave birth to my baby girl, 
and he eventually let me go um and he knew I was going to call the police. So he, like, packed up his bags. He was a truck driver as well. He packed up his bags and left. And so, like, I was just sitting there in shock. Like, I can't believe this just happened. I look in the mirror, and there's, like, fingerprints, like, his, like imprint of his fingers on my wrist and on my throat. And I remember calling his mom. Like, I didn't know what to do. I never called the police before for anything. Mm-hmm. And so she says, you know, call the police. You know, and so I called them and they came and it was just like, I felt like I was watching a movie of myself. Like I was outside of myself at that moment when the police were there and they're asking like, what did he have on and how tall is he and what happened? And they're like dusting for fingerprints and they're all over my house. And it was just like this shock. Like, I can't believe I'm this person, you know, you always think like you'll never be in certain situations. And in that moment, I was just like why I'm one of these women like they're taking pictures of bruises on my skin and like I wasn't crying it was just like this numbness I felt like I cannot believe this happened and I don't know what to do next and so um it was it was we took ever since then there was like a thing we had like a five-year separation Mm. um but in between it he would come back I would let him come back of course we had kids so I would let him come back for a little while you leave again or even just for visitations and stuff like that and we would get into arguments every single time things would be good for maybe a couple weeks and we would argue again and he would come in my house and um he might push me or throw something or break something it was always the same thing and it was always around my kids um so it wasn't that you know I wasn't getting like black eyes and stuff which and that's the thing too I always thought like okay in order for me to be like in an abusive relationship I had to have a black eye or abuses, mm. or, or he has to punch me, or something like that. No, this is abuse too, yeah. and that's something I didn't realize until years later. So I put up with it, and um, and so even there were even I was I was always going to church, and the people in the church they knew it was one it was a family church of his. Mm. They knew his anger issues. They knew what was going on with us, and I eventually end up ended up living next to our church because I couldn't afford what we were living before. Mm-hmm. And so people always heard us arguing. Um, they would hear things breaking. They would hear this, you know, the yelling and all that stuff. And they kind of just like, well, that's none of my business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then there were people who would come over and talk to me after he would leave and just be like, well, just keep praying about it. God will save him. It's all about a soul. Um, <laughs> and that's that's really the one of the main reasons why I stayed was these people are in the church. They know better than me. Yeah. So I'm going to keep praying for my husband. And that's why I would always let him come back. I always let him come back with his bag and try to start over. And I would continue to pray for him and pray for his soul because this this person in the church prayed for her husband for 40 years and he was saved before he died. And that's, that was, <laughs> that was what I did. And I remember there were like close friends of his, Oh, they would come to me and say, Oh, I had a dream that y'all were back together and keep, keep the faith, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And I would take that like a grain of salt and just keep praying and keep believing and take him back every single time. And so there was a time where, you know, we really, we're just separated. Like I was done after a while. I'm like, I'm not praying for this man no more. Like this can't be it. And so we, like I said, it was like a solid, like five, almost five years. And then 
I just remember in that last year, this was like 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't know what it was. Like, we were able to co-parent very well. We could take the girls places as a family and not argue. Like, we were smiling, laughing. We would, like, bring up, you know, old stuff and joke, whatever. Like, it, it seemed new and fresh. And I think it's because of that space that we had. We weren't living near each other. Like, it was good. Yeah. And so I think that with that, I kind of, like, I kind of mixed it up with what I, with like, oh, this could work. This yeah. could work again. And so we got closer and closer, and I started letting him back in the house. Because it was like, I, I had to the point where, like, he was picking up the kids from the parking lot or the front door. You weren't coming past the threshold. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, like, really, I had my boundaries up. And so because we were doing so well with co-parenting, like, I was just like, you know what? Well, we could try this again. You know, and he would always bring up, like, I want my family back, and I still love you, and all those things. And so I, I was like, yeah, let's do it. And so I was living in an apartment at a time, at the time, and I let him back in. And so we lived with each other. It wasn't even a year, probably. I don't even know. Um, but ever since we got back together, there were just constant arguments over and over again. Mm-hmm. Of And it would be of, like, stuff that, between that separation, of course, you're talking to other people, you know, whatever, just stuff coming up. So, like, we would just always argue. And the way he responded to me was definitely different from before. Like, he would, I remember him dragging me on the floor like a rag doll by one foot, mm-hmm. trying to get me to get out the house. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want you here. Like, and it was my house. It was my apartment, leasing my name. I'm paying the rent. <laughs> wow. And, you know, he would drag me around the house. I remember him just, like, pushing me and shoving me. I remember him, like, backing me up to a wall, like, what you going to do? Like, um, flipping the bed over on me, like the mattress. Mm-hmm. Or throwing the, t- the flat screen TV, just flipping tables in our house. Like, it was just, our house was just a mess. There were literally holes everywhere in the house. And, like, it was just, like, it was too much, you know? Um, and, like, I, I was upset with myself because I'm like, I left once. You know, mm-hmm. I have my, this is, this is my like sanctuary. This is my apartment by myself. You know, we weren't together. I had these boundaries up and here I am again in the same situation, but it was, it felt even worse. Mm-hmm. There were so many times we would argue and the kids are just standing in the corner crying and he's packing his stuff and leaving. Like it was, just a, it was like, it was like a broken record, like something on repeat. Mm-hmm. It was, the same thing would happen over and over again to where he would just pack up and go. He would do his damage and leave. And then we would, he would come back with the I love you, love you, and I miss you, and I want my family back, and I would, and I would take them back, and so anyway, so in 2018, um, there was a time in particular, I think it was January, I was always trying to make things work, and so I was like, hey, let's go to breakfast, or, or something I was supposed to go to for business, and it was canceled or something, mm-hmm. and I was already made up, I had my little makeup on and stuff. And I'm like, hey, let's go eat breakfast. The kids are at school right now. And um, so he took me to a little vegan place because I was trying to be vegan for a second. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, the story um, of everybody's life. So we went there. Yeah. <laughs> and we went there and um, I just remember it was like a lot of tension in the car. And I didn't know why. And I was, like, just so excited to be at this restaurant I had never been to when the food was really good. You know, I'm my own little world, and he's just, like, not having it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and even, like, 
I was looking at the people like expressions and stuff. Even the waiter was kind of like, he was looking like something's up with y'all. Mm. <laughs> and so like, finally he brings up like what the problem was. It was, you know, I'm still thinking about this, this guy you talked to and this happened and that happened or whatever. And so we, like he's trying to start an argument at the table and I'm like, right now, like it was packed. This restaurant was packed and the seating was like, we were so close to everybody. And I'm like, right now, like you, you have to do this right now. And he's like, I think you should, you should go home with the Uber. Like I'm not bringing you home. And I was like, what? We were way, I lived on the West Bank, if you're familiar. Mm-hmm. And we were way in New Orleans. Right. And, I, and like, I'm such a homebody. I never really got to know the area. So I never knew where I was. <laughs> but, but um, I was just like, no. I'm not, I'm not getting an Uber. Like, what is, what's going on? And so, like, he was starting to get loud, and I'm just like, oh, so I'm, like, starting to cry. So I went straight to the bathroom, and, like, got my little tears out, because I'm trying to, like, save face, because there's so many people around. Mm-hmm. And so I come back, and, like, he's still upset. He's still trying to bring stuff up. And I'm like, you know what, let's just go. So we rushed, you know, the ticket or whatever, and get in the car, and then he just starts arguing with me in the car about the same situation and just getting loud and I'm just like why are you doing this right now like we're supposed to be enjoying our day having breakfast you know working on us or whatever and it's just like he constantly was bringing up all this stuff Mm -hmm. and so um we were driving and then all of a sudden he just pulls on the side of the road and he's like get out you gotta get out and I'm like I'm not getting out you're not gonna leave me on the side of the road and so I'm, like, trying to get an Uber, and the Uber leaves because, like, we're arguing back and forth. And he ends up calling the police on me and, and like, acting like I'm a random person. He's like, yeah, this woman won't get out my car. Oh, and I'm talking, so I'm, like, trying to, like, I'm, like, I'm not some woman. I'm his wife. I'm not getting out the car. You know, like, he, you need to take me home. So he finally hangs up, and we're driving on the high rise going back to the West Bank. And he's driving, like, at light speed. And I'm just, like, scared for my life. You know, and I'm thinking maybe I should have gotten out, you know. So I remember calling my dad and, like, crying on the phone. I'm like, I don't know what to do. My dad is way in California. Like, what can he do? And and if you notice, like, I never, my first instinct is never to call the police. Yeah. And so I'm calling my dad. He's just like, calm down. What do you want me to do? And I'm just like, Dad, you need to you need to make a way for us to move. Like, I can't do this anymore. I'm just saying all this. And, like, the more I'm doing that, saying these things, like, about leaving, he's driving faster. He's cursing more. He's getting more upset. He's trying to take my phone. Yeah, so I get off the phone and he finally brings me home and um, and just starts like going off the usual thing. And I just remember being to the point where I'm like, I'm tired of this. You treat me like crap. Like for no reason. Like you treat me like crap and I'm tired of it. And so he ended up leaving. No, I think I left. Just like I just left and I, I don't even remember where I went. I went to a park or something and just sat there for like hours because I thought he would have followed me or whatever. He was just so angry. And so, like, from there, he he ended up leaving the house, and it was for a couple of months. And so we had it to where he would come, whenever he would come in town, like I said, he's a truck driver, he would see my, see the girls. And so there was, um, so just kind of fast-forwarding. So it was, like, in June, um, he called, he said, I'm in town. I got the girls in the car. We drove all the way to, um, to... New Orleans to his truck so that they could see him and um he's like you know let's switch places I was gonna bring him to the house 
And so we switched places in the car. So he's driving. And um, I was like, hey, I need to stop at the store to get some stuff. He's like, okay, cool. We stopped in the parking lot, and he gets out the car, too. And I'm like, I thought you were staying in the car with the girls. And so he's like, we need to talk. We need to talk. And I'm like, right now? And he's like, what are we doing? So for And there was nothing, too. Like, for whatever reason, there would be times where, like, I know we're not together. We get back. We're not getting back together. Like, this is it. But there, but in his mind, we're still working on it. Mm. And so he was like, "What are we doing right now? What are we doing?" And I'm like, "We're not doing anything." You know, what are you talking about? So it was like, so we got in this big like thing, and I'm like, "I'm I'm not trying to do this right now in this parking lot." If I get back in the car, like I I don't need another store. Let's just go, because like my I never wanted to do it in front of people. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, and so he just kept arguing. My my girl's in the back seat. And so I just remember him like, you know what? I'm going back to the truck. And I was like, what? Like, what are we doing? You know? So he gets back on my high rise and he's just upset because I basically was like, I want a divorce. Mm. This is the final time. I'm not doing this anymore with you. We keep going back and forth. This has been over a decade mm. of this. And so he was just super upset. Like all I've done for you and, just like, I mean, going off and doing the same old thing. He was hitting the steering wheel, cursing, getting loud, just driving like crazy. I mean, like super, super fast and just changing lanes like crazy. And I'm just like holding on to whatever I could in the car. And the girls are like holding hands in the back. I remember seeing that. Mm-hmm. And then so he gets to the point like we're on the high rise. He starts to punch the, the rear view mirror and the windshield. Mm-hmm. So at that time, the rearview mirror is like swinging like a pendulum. It's just like hanging off of like a wire. And there's a huge crack in my windshield. And there's like glass all in the front seat and stuff. And at that time, like, I'm screaming like, stop. You know, I look back at the girls and they're screaming like bloody murder and just like crying. Like, like this is happening right in front of them. Mm-hmm. And he just kept punching and punching. Like he had all intentions to just destroy the car while he's driving. And so he drives all the way. And at that time, too, I didn't even have a phone. I wasn't working. I didn't have a working phone. And so at that time, that would have been a great time to call the police. I couldn't. Mm -hmm. And so we get all the way to his truck. And I remember, like, the whole time, like, while he's driving, he was holding my daughter's hand. His hand was, like, really bloody from the glass, of course. And, like, he's holding her hand. And it made me so mad. Like, why are you holding her hand? Like, that was so major to me. Mm -hmm. And... So we get to his truck, and I'm just sitting there. Like, I don't even want to move because I don't know what else to try to do. And he goes straight to the back seat, and he goes to, like, hugging and kissing the girls and telling them how much he loves them, and I'm sorry. Grabs his bag and gets back in the truck. And I immediately just, like, switched sides. I didn't even try to fix nothing, talk to them, nothing. I immediately just drove right back to the house and can barely see because all the glasses are broken. Mm. and and still even in this moment i did not think to call the police mm. or or like go find a phone or drive to a police station yeah i went straight home i grabbed the girls and we went straight home and i remember just crawling in the bed all three of us and just crying mm-hmm. and like i'm like okay what do i do now you know and um it was just like this turning point 
you know, there were so many times when I tried to leave or tried to, like, get him to leave or, like, let him know, hey, let's get a divorce, whatever. And I would always end up, because of financial reasons, like, oh, I don't know how I can raise this kid by myself or whatever. Um, or I don't know anybody here because I didn't have any family in Louisiana at the time. My family was in a whole other state. And I just was, I just kept thinking, I can't do this by myself. So I'm going to keep him around. Or I don't want to take him somewhere. I mean, take the girl somewhere and he can't see his girls. Mm-hmm. Even though he did all this, like I kept thinking about my children and their relationship with their father because of what I dealt with as a kid. I didn't have that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was, that's what like led my decisions most of the time. And so I just remember like, I had I had an old iPhone and so you know when you it's not on but if it's on Wi-Fi people can still call mm-hmm, you or yeah. text you yeah and so I remember my one of my best friends um, ended up texting me or calling me one or two and I had told her everything that happened and she was just like oh my gosh like I sent her I remember taking pictures of the windshield and stuff and, t- and send it to her and she was just like oh my gosh like that just happened, like, you know, this is it, Aaron, like, what are you going to do? And even in, and during that time period, I had a whole new set of friends. They weren't telling me, just pray about it. Yeah. My friends were like, you need to do something. You deserve better. You are an amazing person. You're a beautiful woman. There's somebody else out there that is going to give you everything and more. There's somebody that God has for you. And not even that, like, just God, God has so much plan for your life, and this is not a part of the plan. He does not want this for his children. For his daughter, you know, mm-hmm. and words like that just gave me a push that I didn't have before, you know, and I remember talking to um to my friend and she was just telling me about how her sister went through a similar situation and she ended up moving to a whole other state and like she's still there and just like her life is so much better. And, and my friend was just saying, I support whatever you're trying to do as long as it's for the betterment of you and your girls, like I support you and whatever you need, you know, just do something, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I just remember my dad calling the iPhone. I think he like FaceTime or something because you can't actually call it. But, and I told him what happened. And at at that point, you know, my daddy was like, Oh no, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, we're, we got to make something happen. And so we ended up like throughout the course of that week, um, figuring out like plane tickets and stuff like that. I'm, I'm, all I'm thinking about it, and, and during that time, all I was thinking about was my stuff. How mm-hmm. am I going to get all of my stuff to California? Yeah. Ten, you know, like ten. I think I was out there like twelve years. Twelve years, my entire adult life, I have all this stuff. I kept thinking about that, mm-hmm. and so I remember my dad got these tickets to leave in like a couple of weeks. I had to be like mid June. No, at first our tickets were for August. August the 8th, I still remember that. And um, so I'm like, okay, I got time, I got to do this. I was trying to, I wanted to do all these things before I left. I was thinking about all these things and I wasn't thinking about my safety. Like, he, mm-hmm. he can show up right now, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it took, I, like, from that moment, from that day until we left, we ended up pushing back the tickets to, like, July, I left July 19th of last year. Mm-hmm. From that time, I went through such a depression. I didn't pack a bag until like maybe two weeks before we had to leave. I laid in the bed all day. I had no money, um, hardly any food. Um, I, I definitely wasn't trying to drive that car because 
like you can't drive it like that mm-hmm. and I just was I was just in this deep depression and stressed and thinking about all that I had to do in order to leave mm-hmm. and I kept thinking about my stuff and so it, it 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 was something that just hit me like I think and my dad kept telling me you know everything that you have is material and it can be replaced mm-hmm. you can't be replaced mm-hmm. your children cannot be replaced and I kept thinking, well, what about, what's the landlord going to say? And this and that. I kept thinking about breaking the lease. I kept thinking about all the unnecessary things. And so, um, I don't know, I just got to the point where I finally woke up. I got out of bed. And I, was, I just, I packed what I could. I packed the things that we needed the most. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whatever else is left, is, is left. So I started to, um, I started to throw, like, stuff away. It would be late at night. I would just start throwing things in a dumpster. I, it, even if it did have sentimental value, I would throw it away or take stuff to the Goodwill. I started posting stuff on Facebook for sale, telling friends, hey, do you want this desk? Do you want this chair? Whatever. Just get it out of my house. <laughs> and even like my, you know, I was making T-shirts at home. Like I sold all my equipment to make shirts with. Um, I was on it like for two weeks. And that's not a lot of time when you have a house full of stuff and furniture and things. Mm-hmm. And... I just, I put my girls to work, like, every day we get up super early, because it's summertime now, we get up super early and stay up late and just take stuff up and down the stairs to the dumpster, pack stuff up in a truck to take to the Goodwill in the morning, like, it was a routine, mm-hmm. and I just remember, like, talking to my dad every single night, and he would encourage me, and just praying about it, and, like, try not to just get back in bed and, and be depressed again, mm-hmm. because I had, I had something to do, you know, and... And, of course, like, as I told my husband at the time, you know, we're leaving. He didn't like that. He wanted us to say. Um, he didn't really say I'm sorry or anything. That There was no, like, regret or remorse about mm-hmm. what happened. Mm-hmm. It just, like, you can't leave. Like, you know, you can't take my girls like that. I'm like, we have to go. I'm going with whether you agree or not. And so, um he started, like, whenever he was in town, he would try to come over. He would borrow someone's car and just come over to see them or take them to the park. And I would let him. And he would call for them, like, every night. And these are things, like, he wasn't even doing before. But, but since we were leaving, he was trying to make all his contact. And he would take them to get their nails done, go to the movies, go bowling, all this stuff that he would never do before, you know. And, um... So there were a lot of people on his side anyway that just didn't agree with us leaving. I don't understand it. Um, they just had their own opinion about things. Um, and they knew what was going on. But their main thing is, like, you're taking his children away. And I just, I didn't care. I was like, well, that's a person I won't have to talk to, you know. Um, and so I remember the day that we left, we... I remember getting up so early because I was still up that late at night. I probably went to sleep at 4 in the morning. Got back up at like 6 or 7. And there were still things to be done. I still had furniture in my house. Like every piece of furniture was in the house still. And I was I remember stressing over like, oh my gosh, I'm leaving all this furniture in the house and I'll leave today, you know. And I was still trying to sell like a microwave and just stupid stuff. I'm worried about all the stupid stuff. And um, like everything that could go wrong went wrong like it was just a lot like I just couldn't get everything done I couldn't get things packed like I wanted to I ended up only bringing like two suitcases one for me and one for my daughter and 
leaving everything. It was like the last second when it was time to pull off. Like we had to go. <laughs> um, I was like, forget it. I was really, I remember like taking like two, three showers that day because I was just so sweaty getting everything out the way. I remember just taking my clothes and throwing them away and just throwing on some other clothes. Like that's mm-hmm. how I, I just was like, forget everything. All this stuff is left, is left. Whatever happens, happens. I won't be here. And I turned in my keys at the front office and I I remember saying, here are my keys. Um, I was in an abusive relationship, so you're going to see quite a bit of damage to the apartment and I just remember like the manager looking at me like oh my gosh and I walked off I didn't even tell a story nothing I just walked off (laughs) and I'm like you know here's where you can mail whatever you need to mail I know I probably owe some money whatever but I need to go and um I remember driving off and like the car was acting crazy it kept stopping and I had to meet um I had to meet my friend so she could take me to the airport it kept stopping and running hot so I remember getting the oil change in the car because <laughs> I thought that's what it was. I remember getting the oil change that day. And he t- and the guy took so long. <laughs> he took forever. It, I felt like an hour. But it got me away across the river <laughs> to meet my friend. And it was like once I got in her car with our luggage, like it was like, okay, everything is done. Like it was a sigh of relief. Yeah. And then just once, and the, even getting through like the airport and everything, like, I still had so much anxiety. I'm like, I just kept thinking, oh, what if he shows up? I don't know where he's at. Like, I kept thinking all these negative thoughts. But once we finally just got to where, like, our gate to leave, it was just, like, this big breath. Like, I did it, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, California was, like, the promised land, in a way, <laughs> for me. And so, it's funny, right before our, we boarded the plane, he called me. And I remember him calling and like crying on the phone and being so apologetic and I'm sorry and I'm I, I like I didn't want this to happen and just like going back to when we first got married and just like I just sat on the phone and I cried silently like I didn't want him to know I was crying and I'm like this is a fine time to do this you know and um, I let him talk to the girls and, like that was it and we landed a couple hours later in California and it was just like so surreal. Like I cannot believe I'm here. Mm-hmm. And like, I was tired. I looked, looked a mess, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And, and I just was like, what now? Like, it's like this what next type of thing, you know? And it just, I didn't feel, and it's funny, like after I landed and after talking to some of my friends or just telling people that I come across in conversation that like church and stuff out here when I first came, Everybody's saying, you're so strong, you're so bold, or I couldn't have done it, you know, all those things. And I wasn't thinking about any of those things. I felt like I was at my weakest point. It was just like I was on autopilot, Mm -hmm. and just my faith was so in tune with God. Like, I just needed to complete what he needed me to do. I wasn't worried about being strong or posting on social media or whatever. You know, I was just like, I need to get out of this situation. This is the route to go. Let me get to the end of the road. Mm-hmm. And, like, I wasn't thinking about any of those things. So, yeah. <laughs> That's that how it all happened. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That, that yeah. is a lot. That is a lot. Um, yeah, a lot. That's a lot. But God. But God, right? And you are still yeah, here definitely. today yeah. to tell your story and encourage others. Yeah. yeah. 
You said a lot, but let, yeah. let's, because uh, you did kind of answer some of our questions that we had, but mm-hmm. let us kind of unpack some of the things that you said a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, my first question is, did you ever feel at one point in time that you would would go too far, like, to hurt him just to protect you and your, your girls? No. Um, like, after that first time of hitting him, I was just so scared. Like, if I ever did anything else to him, like, what would happen? Yeah. And, you know, um, and because he did so much, like, he showed, like, what he could do. I was like, nah, I'm just going to sit in this corner and wait till you're done. Like, let it all out. Yeah. You know, um, I had, I remember I had dreams at a point. I had this consistent dream of standing on one side of a gate. He's on another side. I was in a black dress, red lipstick and heels. And I would have a gun pointing to his head. And I like, it was a recurring dream I always had. Mm. But once I left and came out here, it stopped. Um, but yeah, I never like thought I was doing anything like that. Um, and I, I, I loved him so much yeah. that I, I didn't want to hurt him, even though he caused so much pain to me. Yeah. Yeah. So two things, kind of one more so of a statement. Whenever you <clears throat> mentioned that you hit him first, my mind was like, kind of like, oh, well, like, wow. But then I mm. thought about it um, because you were saying how you had been in this at least mental abuse to the point where it was a lot of screaming and fighting going on, that your mm-hmm. reaction was just like, oh, I have to defend myself before he does something. Right. And I yeah. just wonder, like, how many of us are in relationships where we are put in a position where we act out of character? Yeah. And then we don't think anything about it. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like you are daily doing stuff, thinking things that are not naturally, like, who you are, what you would think. And sometimes we don't even see that as a red flag. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. You know, like, for you to hit somebody, it's like, wait, where'd this even come from? Yeah. But you were that scared. Yeah. And, and it was like that, this automatic re- reaction. Yeah. Like, and like and that unhealthy of a relationship. And it kicks from the back. Like, that's how it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. like, wow, you know, that should be, one of those, I mean, obviously when you're in it, you don't think like that. But that would have been yeah. one of those things, like, I'm scared to the point where I'm out here, like, you know, thinking about getting the gun and thinking about cutting people's heads off. I know it wasn't that extreme, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying, yeah. like, you yeah. you know, you would want to check yourself a little. Um, yeah. Also going to the statement, because I, I had a question about were there red flags before, and you talked about how a lot of people were telling you who he was from their perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't listen. We just don't yeah. listen. Yeah. <laughs> and so my question is, because you do want to be hopeful for people, mm-hmm. but the Bible also tells us, especially when it comes to at least our parents, that you should be mindful of like what your family thinks, you know, yeah. of like who you're bringing into your life. Why do you think just in general, now that you've had time to reflect that we don't want to listen to that? And, now, knowing that you've gone through that and had kind of information prior, like, where's your mindset with if people come up to you and everybody's like, no, don't do it, don't do it? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, like I said, back then, I was just so, like, I don't judge. He seems nice to me. I always, I've always wanted to, like, form my own opinion of people and then go from there. 
but even seeing things myself, I was so just in love. And he treats me nice where I was just like, no, that's okay. That's just one of his flaws or I'll pray about it and pray it away. I thought I could change him. That was another thing too. Something that you just can't do. Um, I thought that I could change him as a person. I thought that I could prove, I wanted to prove everybody wrong. Like we can work. Um, and so now, you know, if somebody tells me something, I'm going to, I'm going to listen. I'm going to, and I'm going to look for those red flags. Even in therapy, I go to therapy now. Mm-hmm. But my, that was one thing that my therapist was saying, like you write, she said, she said, write down a list of all of the red flags, all the negative things that you saw in your husband and keep that close to you. Because when it comes to dating and relationships or even friendships with people, yeah. male or female, and yeah. you start seeing those things, you know you need to start backing up yeah. and let that person go. Because this can start all over again. And we and, and the thing is, people like me, I'm going to attract those type of people continuously if I don't change my mindset, change my way of thinking, and like what I'm looking for in those relationships. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, that's good. I have yeah. a, also a statement in a uh, question like uh-huh. um, you talked about just living next door to the church and people um, hearing what was going on and them coming over after after uh-huh. he's gone and they're just like basically pray for your husband and you're gonna be all right girl like wow like the fact that your heart never hardened towards those people is like amazing because you you said for sure like at the end of your story you had a different set of friends was like uh uh-uh, uh girl uh-huh. <laughs> throw that prayer yeah. out the window like get the heck out of there like this <laughs> yeah you yeah. can pray for, for them but you need to be running the heck up strap your nikes yeah. up and go <laughs> like um yeah how yeah. like my, my question is did you did you ever think that God allowed this to happen to you um and that that people or that people allowed this to happen to you knowing had like full knowledge of what was going on I feel like looking back I feel like there were so many times where I feel like people could have stepped in and I know just in general not even in the church but period when it comes to situations like this it's if if a man sees another, well, I don't know. I can't say for everybody. I can't speak in absolutes, but it's, it's common for people to see something going on and be like, that's eh, none of my business. That's them. Hope they work it out. Yeah. And so because of that, like, mentality that so many people have, like, people just kind of, like, stayed away, you know, waited how I was by myself to, quote, unquote, encourage me. Yeah. And I just feel like there were so many instances where that didn't have to happen. Yeah. You know, where somebody could have... Now, there's there probably one person in particular. She was a good friend of mine. I remember her coming over after church with her broom <laughs> <laughs> and, like, kind of shooing him out the house. But there was there was nobody knocking on the door or trying to get in and say, hey, you know, you know, you need to leave or respect your wife. There was none of that. Yeah. And, um, and so it's like, it took me a while, but it, took, it was like, you know what? These are not friends. This can't be, you know, and this is not, this is not of God at all. Like, I'm sorry. I'll, I'm down for praying for whomever, but I can pray at a distance. Yeah. And my new set of friends, which was, it was a very small circle, two or three, maybe, you know, they were, they were involved in the church. They were, you know, Christians and all that stuff, but they knew they were like, uh-uh, um, we need to see you live, Yeah. you know? And, and they did. Like, they helped me a lot when it came to all of that and just pushing me and, you know, 
what I, for what I do love is that because when it comes to a, a victim of abuse, it's always going to be my decision at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, you can tell me whatever it is. You can give me all the funds to move to home of the state. You can drive me across the country, but I can still go back yeah. because yeah. mentally I'm not ready to leave. Mentally, I still see him as this person that who loves me or whatever. Yeah. So I, what I love about my new set of friends was that they told me these things, but it was still like, but it's up to you, Aaron. You know, it's up to you. You know what? You search the scripture and you figure out the answer. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I'm going to tell you all these beautiful things about you, how wonderful you are and all these things. And I need you to like search yourself and find the answers and look for what you need to do. And so I like that they gave me, it was like, it was still up to me at the end of the day. Yeah. And it took a lot of, it took a heart check. It took a lot of prayer. It took, you know, getting in the word and just understanding like this is not, this can't be like I have to I need better I deserve better um I need to make the steps to get to that point and not only for myself but for my girls they don't deserve this um so that was like a big thing because in my mind this could work you know I could keep praying you know even you know he he gets saved before he goes to the grave like that's how I was yeah um so just changing that mindset for myself and getting myself out was like a major thing Mm-hmm. Because had I not done that, had it been someone else, I could probably be right back to where I was. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, I think this is a, an important place to also just note that as followers of God, we have to be mindful of the things that we tell people. I'm very, I'm yeah. not surprised, but it's unfortunate that nobody wanted to hold his behavior accountable. And I thank God that you had your own personal relationship with God. Yeah. Right. Uh, because if you didn't, then there probably would have, like Brandy said, been some bitterness towards, you know, then it becomes towards the church or Christianity. Mm-hmm. And then it falls into bitterness towards God because mm-hmm. you told me to just pray through this and it, it never got better. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we have to be so mindful of what we're we're telling people right. and make sure that it's an align that it is aligned with the truth, uh with the word and clearly God does not want you yeah. being mm-hmm. abused. Um Right. And not only yeah. saying it but walking my sister through it like okay right. like let me if if i i have to be her legs if she can't be, yeah i yeah. have to be you know that yeah. strength that she doesn't have at that time and of yeah. course prayer never comes off the table you pray all you want but you also get to mm-hmm. safety yeah exactly um, so yeah, yeah. wow and I, I didn't feel like i did deal with church hurt i didn't go for a very long time mm-hmm. i stopped praying for a while like i just dealt with a lot when it came to the church because of that mm-hmm. yeah. i was talked about in many situations, um, like everybody knew what was going on. Yeah. And, you know, you come to the church for healing, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, when you, I felt like I had to run away yeah. in a point. Um, so yeah, I just wasn't a good, and it just, it, I think too, it helped me in becoming a better Christian myself. Cause I knew what not to say and do. Yeah. Not that I would ever do that, but just how to approach people in certain situations. Yeah. 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 But I think yeah. the difference between like that old school way of doing, um, not, mm-hmm. okay, that might be offensive. Let me not say old school way. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think that a lot of us grow up with like learning to have faith. So yes, we believe in God, but we mm-hmm. really miss the point of how do you then act like Jesus? Yeah. How do you yeah. live like Jesus? Like, what does that really mean? What does that really look like? And yeah. so, 
that's where like I think the disconnect comes and so that's a whole Uh different story but I'm so happy that you found your way back and that did not hold you back yes yeah yeah thank you um yeah and so also you did mention your girls Mm -hmm. so just trying to get into that yeah I have a question about that um just because you grew up um, you, you stated in earlier that you grew up not speaking to your family um, mm-hmm. a lot. Y'all didn't talk about things. You didn't argue. How important is it that uh, to you that you communicate with your girls that y'all do talk and, you know, do put things on the table um, and that you do let them know what's going on? How important is that to you? That's extremely important. Um, have, like having such an estranged relationship with my own mother and then having daughters, it's motivated me in so many ways. Like the things that I didn't have with her, I'm working so hard to make sure that they have that. Like we talk about everything. Um, even when it came to what happened, um, which was something that I had to work on. Like if something would happen at home with me and my husband, I wouldn't talk about it with them. I tell them go in their room. Mm-hmm. But, um, when we left, it was, it just became a conversation. Like, how do you feel? Why do you think we left? Like, without me telling them why we left, I would ask them first, you know, and just talk it out with them. And even with just the period, anything, I mean, when it comes to, like, body image and self-awareness and things like that, like, we have these raw conversations now um, that I didn't really do as much before. And I, I just find that I have more time to do it. I didn't really, I was so focused on the marriage and pleasing my husband um, that I didn't invest as much in my children. And so I find that now I do so much more of that with them. I have like this quality. Like we don't even watch TV hardly. We just spend time just talking and doing things together. And I play with them at the park, whatever it is. And my daughter, which is, it's so rewarding because it's like, okay, I'm doing a good job. She comes to me, my oldest daughter, she comes to me when she has problems, whether it's something that happened at school, if she doesn't, you know, if she's feeling some type of way, whatever, can I talk to you by myself? like sure (laughs) and we had these conversations nine-year-old you know and it's just like when she leaves I'm like wow like okay I'm doing I'm doing this right because you know a lot of parents don't get that with their kids they don't want to talk to their parents and so it's just like I just love seeing that and just investing in them and just seeing them grow and be these amazing young ladies and I want them to see that their mom is like this strong woman and she loves herself and she knows her worth. And I, every, you know, all these things that I've learned, I'm trying to teach them now at an early age so that they have that foundation for themselves. And not just, just when it comes to a man, but just any relationship, any situation that they come across in their life, that they're well equipped because I wasn't. Yeah. Um, and that's so important as parents. We need to make sure that our children are equipped um, to handle any situation and make the right decisions or at least come to us when they're not sure. I didn't have that. You know, it was just like, well, let me just, I don't know, I'm going to figure it out, you know. Um, but, yeah, they definitely, I've definitely talked to them about all kinds of stuff. I mean, some stuff I'm like, why are you bringing this to me? <laughs> but, but um, yeah. 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 That, that's so dope. Like, growing yeah. up um, in a house full of girls, because my mom only has girls as well, and mm-hmm. just being able to have that open dialogue, because my house it was always just like we're not talking about it. You just don't do it, and yeah, same here. and 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 that's it. Case closed. Like you, you just don't do it. And so you learn so much from like mm-hmm. quote unquote the street, mm-hmm. and, yeah, yeah. and it's bad. Like because some people don't 
you know, know how to separate the two. Like, okay, like this might be a lie. This might be the truth. And like, I thank God we, like my sister and my mom and I always talk about this. Like, man, if I'm just so glad that I was able to, um, distinguish the two like I was more yeah. so probably afraid of what my mom would say or what, what might happen mm-hmm. if she found out um mm-hmm. as opposed to just going out and trying something and just be, it being 2019 these kids are fearless they're doing challenges that they see on the yeah. internet you know they have they have the internet telling them things to do and they and mm-hmm. they 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 aren't grounded in anything or don't have a foundation in anything and so they're easily influenced and it's so scary but just to have daughters just to hear you say your daughters come to you and tell you everything and they're not afraid and that's just I just think that's just so awesome and amazing yeah yeah and although you guys went through a difficult time you're definitely breaking the the curse you know what I mean definitely what they going on now so you did mention um you know to talk about part of your healing process that you are going to therapy. So therapy. (laughs) is there anything else that you're doing that it has really like served you well during this time of just getting back on your feet? Um, definitely just, um, being close with my dad has been like a really big thing. I live with him now. Mm -hmm. And when I tell you, he is like the, he's showing me what, what a man should be. Um, like in so many different ways and we sit and have so many talks and conversations now, um, just like about everything. Like we'll just sit up late at night, just talking and just like getting stuff out. And like, he takes me on like daddy daughter dates and stuff. And just like, he just shows me like what it is to be a man, like how, you know, how, like what do you need to look for? And like, I'm just so glad I have him. Um, and just like his support and just bringing up the girls and all that. Um, also just finding my first thing when I, when I got here is like, I need to find a church home ASAP. Mm -hmm. And when I tell you I was on this hunt, I went to like four or five churches before I found the one I'm at now. And I love my church and I just got, I I joined, um, we call it the digital outreach ministry. Um, so I help with like social media and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've been going to our small groups and just everything that the church has, I'm there yeah. and just like finding community within the church. And I just love my church so much. Just like, that's been like so amazing for me and the girls too. Like they love it. And just, so just finding the community and just having people ar- close around me that support me and, that are just there for me, you know, and just therapy has been like so huge for me. Just, I look like, I love therapy. I, I look forward to it. And I made sure my main thing was I want to, I want a woman of faith mm-hmm. and, and I, I need her to be a woman of color mm-hmm. so that she understands my trauma. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. when I found that person, like, I was like, oh my gosh, like, where have you been? <laughs> <laughs> um, but just talking things out with her has been so amazing and she tells me all the time like your growth is just exponential like in the little time we've talked like you've grown so much and I can see it just looking back from when I first landed to now just how I can I can talk about my story without crying I've met a couple of people who've dealt with the same situation or still in it and been able to come just lift them up and pray for them and just encourage them and it's just like and that's why I know, like, this happened for a reason. Yeah. You know, I was, you know, I always say my t- my testimony is for someone else's healing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm seeing the fruits of that now. Um, and also just to say, like, even in the middle 
midst of everything that happened, I still continued to pray for my husband. And it's funny, he moved to California. He's seven hours away, though. Mm. He did end up moving to California this year. And there was a moment where I didn't want to pray for him. And I remember just driving home from work one day and God just telling me, speak. It was so loud in my ears. Like, mm-hmm. I couldn't even listen to my music. He kept saying, speak, speak, speak. Because I was praying for him silently. And so I just, I started crying out to him. Yeah. And calling out my husband's name and crying out and praying, like, the entire time. And California traffic, can you can be in traffic for a minute. <laughs> um, People looking so, like, oh, what's going on with her over there? Right, right. <laughs> And I mean, just like teary. I mean, that was probably the most I've ever done since yeah. I've been here. Just like crying out, like, you know, helping him to be a better man for someone else, helping him to be a better, you know, uh, father for his children. Like, just, I mean, just, you know, let him prosper financially, just like all these things that I would, anybody wouldn't even want to pray for the enemy. Right. But, mm-hmm. and I saw the fruits of that later on because now we're able to co parent. Now we're able to talk on the phone without arguing. I can, I tell them about the kids. They ask them pictures, all these things. We're working things out as far as making sure that he's available for the kids and present for them and everything just kind of working to where I still have my boundaries and my distance. Mm-hmm. Like I said, he's not, he can't just, I mean, he's not like within walking distance, but um, we have a better relationship now. Yeah. And I know that I'm in a good place of healing now. And I'm, I can continually pray for him. And I said, I feel when you, you're able to pray for someone who's done so much to you, you know you're on, you're in a, and you know you healed, you know, yeah. because I couldn't do that a while back. And I remember talking to someone that was going through something similar. And she said, you know, people were telling her, don't pray for him. You know, he did X, Y, and Z. And she said, is it wrong to pray for? I said, that's the best thing you could ever do. Yeah. I said, because when you withhold prayer for some, from someone else, you're hindering yourself. Yeah. Because it benefits both of you. Absolutely. And um, so that's that's definitely like I can say that's like the pot of gold at the at the end of the rainbow with this whole situation is that like that praying that I was doing, we may not be together, we may not be you know in a happy you know family household and whatnot, but it still benefited the situation in the end. So yeah, yeah. that's amazing, Erin. We're so proud yeah. of you, girl. Like Thank keep you. it up. Keep it up. Because there may be people I'm still not praying for. Now. Right, right. Yeah. Okay, because you just gave me a word. I'm like over here checking myself. Right. <laughs> um, this will be the last question. What? Not the last. Not that I have like a couple. Oh, not a couple, okay. But like okay. A, the last before the wrap up. Right, okay. okay. So what advice would you give your the, the younger you? Like if um, after going out through, through this, um, uh-huh. you met a young lady that you saw yourself in, what advice would you give her? I would say to love yourself first before you love anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that can be cliche mm-hmm. for some, but it, yeah. it was so necessary for my healing. Um, it's just not possible to give off something that you don't already possess. Yeah. Um, and so like just taking time for myself should have been something that I should have done. Instead of straight out of high school going into a marriage. Um, I desired marriage so much. I desired family so much because of like what I went through in my childhood that I wanted to create it for myself. And I should have learned who Aaron was, what Aaron loved. I, I had so many issues with like my self-esteem and how I viewed myself. I, and I was 
how I am. I'm so beautiful. But looking back, I just felt like I just wasn't, you know, I wasn't enough. I wasn't all these things. And just learning about God's love for me and how much he truly loves me. Um, even when I felt like nobody else did that regardless, if I didn't love myself, he still, his love was constant. And I didn't realize that as much as I read in my Bible, as much as I went to the church and all those things, I still didn't dig deep inside of me. And I didn't take that time to really self reflect and just work on self. So that's something I would definitely tell like younger Aaron, like work on you, make sure that you are established in all areas of your life and all angles. And you know, the man that God has, for you will come but it doesn't have to be forced and you don't have to be put in a situation where you're uncomfortable um to feel like you're happy or you have something because I wasn't happy um so yeah that's what I would say girl that is a message for the masses you know I work with teenagers but not even working with being a teenager at once upon a time yeah learning Mm -hmm. yourself, learning to love yourself is the best thing you will ever do. Yes. Um, Because we don't know anything. And I think we, it's almost like, I feel like we come into the world seeking validation from other people. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. once you learn yourself, like that changes. So therefore what you want changes, your standards change and, what you need to hear yeah. from somebody changes. Yeah, and it's, you know, obviously, ideally, you would get a lot of that from your home foundation. But, you know, the way the world is, that doesn't always work. Mm-hmm. And, and we get yeah. into these relationships and we start identifying ourselves through those people's eyes. And that's yeah. not a true reflection of who we are. Like, we all need to sit down, sit with God, and find self first. Like. The yeah. best thing you could do Definitely. at any point in life, yeah. like get it together. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Because if you do, if you don't, you know, in those relationships, when you don't know what you need and desire, and all these, you don't have your self worth down, and you don't have that list, y'all. First of all, make your list of what to look for in a man, yes. <laughs> and stick to it. Um, if you don't have that, you're going blindly into relationships and thinking, oh, I think this is what I need, or I think I like this, or you know, mm-hmm. I'll bend, I'll bend in this area. And it's not right. But when you have that structure and that foundation and you have like that list, that concrete list, whether it's in your notes on your phone or written down pen and paper and you know, OK, this is not this is not what I need. This is not what I desire. I'm not bending in this area like you find the relate the people that you end up surrounding yourself with are solid. You know, you're not letting just anybody in your circle. Yeah. And that's so important. Yeah. Wow. All right. So to wrap it up. Uh, One thing I kind of want you to leave us with is what is something that you wish that people would would stop assuming about those who are affected by domestic violence? Because everybody has their opinions. Mm -hmm. Um, Everybody thinks they know, but nobody really knows unless you're in it. Um, So, yeah, what is something that maybe you heard or that you think, okay, like people get it so wrong? Um, so there's a couple of things. I know one, one main thing is something you said too. I'm not offended, but just like, oh, she doesn't look like she went through that. Yeah. Um, and one thing that any victim of abuse is good at is being like a chameleon and covering things up. Mm-hmm. And that was something I learned to do very well. Um, just smiling and still hosting events, still talking to people, still encouraging people, you know, and I just, 
you know, got out of an argument at the house or, or he's blowing up my phone or whatever it is, or being at work, working with customers and dealing with the same, you know, everything's underlying and you just don't know what a person's going through. Mm -hmm. And so not assuming that we look a certain way, because I did too, just like I said earlier, I I figured, well, I can't be in abuse because I don't have a black eye. I'm not walking Mm -hmm. around with sunglasses like they show on TV. And -hmm. I wish that they would express that more on, on the media. Um, But that's one of the main things are just that, well, why didn't you just leave? Or why didn't you just call the police? It's a mental thing. Like mm-hmm. I said earlier, it's more of like how we felt or like, it's this like sense of control that the person has or us fearing them. This, this ultimate fear of if I do this, what will happen? You know, if I leave, he'll just find me. Like, you know, you go through all this in your head. So it's not just that easy, you know, the door is right there, but we don't have the key all the time. Mm-hmm. So yeah yeah girl those are big things like and I think we all have I don't know why maybe because the media has painted this picture of what uh physical abuse looks like yeah so people assume like like Uh you said like the like really the first time we met you were you going to be there with like shades on at an event (laughs) no of course not (laughs) so it's always important to to check on people and and not assume that you know their life just because they smile or just because they have stuff going on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as you can yeah. see, as many people have committed suicide, people who have mm-hmm. mass loads of money, and you're just like, but for why? Yeah. Right. You know? Right. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 So we can never really know each other's lives. So it just is important that just in general, when you cross people's paths, that you do pray for them and, and try to just put some light into their world because you never know. Yeah. 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 Definitely. So, Aaron, before we go, let the people know where to find you. Um, okay. So, um, I am Erin Elizabeth on Instagram mm-hmm. um, and Facebook. Mm-hmm. And, of course, my website is IamErinElizabeth.com. Also, uh, Favorite Froze, that's F-A-Z-O-R-E-D. Froze is F-R-E-A-U-X-S. <laughs> um, I'm on Instagram. Um, that's our website as well. And on Facebook, Twitter, I'm everywhere. Um, Bubblegum Swag. Uh, we are on Instagram. Um, <laughs> let me see. I think there's a, you know, when the name is taken, you got to add a little underscore. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> um, Don't you hate that? And then you click on a person's page and you're like, why is the name taken by you? It right. shouldn't even be taken. Right. Um, you don't even got no posts. It's, right. it's bubblegum underscore swag on Instagram. Yeah. Um, and we're also on Facebook as well. Um, so those are my three businesses. Um, I'm more active on I am Erin Elizabeth. Um, so if you want to follow my personal journey there, you're more than welcome to. But yes. That's where you can find me. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So, again, Erin, we appreciate you for taking this time out yes, with us to speak so with us and just tell your story. We're praying for you and your girls. Like, mm-hmm. we know God has, like, a great, great, great plan for your life. And we just pray that you keep shining your light, keep telling your story, mm-hmm. and that you are you. abundantly, exceedingly blessed and all your heart's desires are granted. Um, until so next time, guys, just remember that God is in the details.